0: You're listening to Radio Tabs Mobile Rolling.
1: Presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound, making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue. The same keen prices online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. This
2: is Law Toll. Race right on at the top of the lane. Less than 200 metres to run. Captain shuffles and better eclipse. Better eclipse moves alongside. Classy Washington late on the inside, but it's a big first over crush. The Victorian, better eclipse. Better eclipse, classy Washington. Captain shuffles. Better it. Yeah, small.
1: round one of the Inter-Dominion series. And, of course, that horse ended up being terrific in the final behind Leap to Fame running a very brave second and that horse goes around of course here on Saturday night. We can't wait for some of these races but better eclipse drawn the inside as we touched on yesterday and of course right on the horse's back from the get-go where we don't stop dreaming. The horse that the Purdons have got a massive wrap on Um, Only a lightly race, younger horse, uh, 12 wins from just 16 starts. Chris Barsby is joining us. Good morning, Chris. Steve, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. Any idea what the prices are on that race at this stage? I haven't had a look, to be honest,
2: Steve, so um, I'll I'll endeavour to chase that up. But it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, he's got so much to look forward to, Don't Stop Dreaming. They'll they'll push to the Hunter Cup as long as he gets through this weekend okay. Then he'll go up to Sydney. The Chariots of Fire is going to be a big target there for him, given that he's only a four-year-old. And if he wins that race, uh, you would assume there's going to be an invitation for the Miracle Miles. So uh, there's a lot on offer for Don't Mm. Stop Dreaming, so... Very
1: interesting to see how he goes. Yeah, can't wait. $2 actually, Chris, would Tab Better Eclipse and two fifty about Don't Stop Dreaming. Mm.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably right. Better Eclipse has got the, the proven record at this level. Don't Stop Dreaming, first time in Australia, drawn a tricky draw, potentially tricky draw. So, yeah, I think that's about right. It'll be interesting to see
1: how much change there is come jump time. Of course, uh, just believes there's dollar twelve on the backup again after an easy win last week, and one of the other races there on Saturday at Melton. You've got uh, two dollars about uniquely ideal and two thirty about Sergeant Lou. Our first guest, Darren Garrard, is with us, Chris. Darren, good morning.
0: Morning, Chris. Hey,
2: I wanted to talk to you this morning about a, a range of issues here in Queensland, and as the uh, the Botra chief here in Queensland, I just wanted to get your thoughts. Obviously, first and foremost, uh, the, the the future here. Albion Park, are we going, staying, Norwell, is it going to happen, is it not going to happen? What's the latest that you're hearing as the Botra president?
0: Chris, I haven't really heard anything, only that the 60-day review started last Thursday. Um, Until we hear the review results, well, there's nothing to talk about, really. As far as I know, we're still going to Norwell until... The government
1: decides that Yeah, it seems that they might decide. Otherwise, uh, the way, you know, they want to try and reduce spending, Darren, as you know, with all of these infrastructure prog- projects that were planned for the Olympics upcoming. So if we stay at Albion Park, what would you like to see at Norwell?
0: Well, a training complex if we can't have one at Albion Park. But, you know, we got to sit down and think about it. There's probably a lot of ways we can have a training complex at Albion Park. <laughs>
2: That, that's the single most important issue that we're facing right now. We need to have a training facility, don't we?
0: Keith, if we don't have a training facility, where do our young people go? Um, thoroughbreds have training facilities. Uh, young people can slot into a barn or into a couple of stables and grow from there, as you know. Um, in Queensland with harness racing, like, young people haven't got $2 million to spend to get the right property, to get a track, to build stables, all that sort of thing, it's a massive exercise and it's getting more and more expensive all the time because land is not getting any cheaper.
1: So where would it go, Chris, and, and also Darren at Albion Park if that was the case?
0: Well, that
2: would depend, I suppose, on the on the greyhounds, Darren. If the greyhounds move to their new property, that gives us a bit more room to work with and have a training track on the inside of the, the racetrack. Would I be right in saying that?
0: Correct. There's already a, a, a makeshift training track, but I assume you, just, you could go back to the the old training track that they had, which was basically a half mile inside the 1,000-metre track, and you could probably put another training facility track inside that where you jogging and, you know, maybe jogging machines, all that sort of thing. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things you can do.
1: How many stables would be required, do you think, for... For Albion Park, what would you be satisfied with, Darren?
0: Uh, you'd want a minimum of 200.
1: Yeah.
2: Because it's yeah. something similar at Menangle?
0: Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, Menangle, they built Menangle and I think they started, they started, I'm not sure the number, but I know there was um, a number of slabs put in there so if someone needed a barn, they could whack a barn up in no time and they'd move.
2: And if we do get a training facility, whether it's Norwell, whether it's at Albion Park, wherever, do you think there's going to be an influx of interstate and potentially Kiwi trainers that would come to Queensland?
0: Definitely, Chris. Definitely. Like, I'm biased, maybe, but I think Queensland's the best place to live. like the best climate. You know, we race six days a week we only have, you know, maximum some people travel further, but like for me it's thirty five minutes to Albion Park and twenty five minutes to Redcliffe but like, you know, you're not travelling less more than an hour and a half usually but I you know, unless you're living Warwick or those sort of places.
1: So Darren, if they did put all those stables in at Albion Park, what else would need to be, need to go in there in regards to training tools and things like that?
0: Oh, you'd need walkers, of course, um you could create, uh, you know, you could create areas, maybe. Um, yeah, all that sort of thing. You know, the usual things you need when you go to a training conference.
1: Equine pool?
0: Yeah, exactly. OK.
2: All right, well, we'll sit and wait and see what happens with that review. The other item that I wanted to talk about, and there's been discussion this week about it, not as promised, this star trotter uh, who's done great things for Queensland uh, he's not eligible to be uh, amongst votes for the, uh, the Queensland Trotter of the Year uh, in any category.
0: What, what's your thoughts on that? In my opinion, Chris, it's an absolute tragedy. There's a trotter that's known throughout Australia and New Zealand and um, he can't collect an award in his own state. You know, you know, he led the flag as the first trotter to win a Victoria Derby, he went on and won the British Crown, and then he went to New Zealand and competed against the best over there. You know, so to me, it's an absolute tragedy. It's, it's just crazy. That's my opinion. Okay. Do you uh, think the rules need to change? Do,
2: do you think they need to look at the way they sort of um, have that rule in place and how it's uh, judged? Do, do you think, will you make uh, any sort of recommendation to change that going forward?
0: Well, is that then fair or not as promised if it does get changed? You know, the biggest, my issue is the criteria is not transparent. Not one participant knows the criteria. No one knows who's on the voting panel, which is fine. But to me, if anyone was voting for three-year-old trotter of the year or trotter of the year, the first author to come out of your head would be not as promised if you were in 2 harness
1: racing tragical for. so chris just explain to our listeners that haven't caught up with some of the news as to why that horse is not eligible
2: the, the horse was deemed ineligible steve because he hasn't been in the state for six months i think he fell about three weeks or two weeks short of the six-month deadline. So therefore, he's not eligible to be, uh, you know, uh, voted on uh, for any of these awards, whether it be the Trotter of the Year or the three-year-old Trotter of the Year. And he looks a lot given, you know, the the, the efforts that he's achieved in 2023. He won a feature race here, the springboard final. And as Darren outlined, he won the Victoria Trotters Derby, first Queensland-trained trotter to win that derby. He won the Breeders' Crown, started the uh, the favourite in the New Zealand derby, first time a, a Queensland trotter has contested such a feature. So that's why he is ineligible. I, I want to pose this question, Darren. Do you think licensees should have a vote on, on Horse of the Year um, voting?
0: My opinion is, to some degree, yes. Yeah. You know, okay. if it was a broad survey, um, I can't see a problem with it. No, mm. I just... Yeah, it's just... Chris, I just feel so bad for the owner, the trainer, and most of all, the horse. Yeah. know, besides Leap the fame, this, this horse is probably the second best-known horse, Queensland horse, in the country and in New Zealand. Mm. Yeah. And he's represented Queensland, held the flag high... And um, unfortunately, because of the criteria, which I think was 11 days, um, he's suffering. Now, you know, maybe there's got to be a criteria. Yes, I I agree there's got to be a criteria, but, you know, there has to be some movement somewhere for special, special needs. And this horse, as far as I'm concerned, is the special need. Queensland owned, Queensland trained, Queensland driven, you know, it's just... And the most gut-wrenching thing is he's going to, probably going to be either three-year-old Australian three-year-old Trotter of the Year or the three-year-old Club or Golden Trotter of the Year.
2: Mm. So he picks up a national award but won't pick up a state award, which seems bewildering.
0: Yeah, and I'll give you an example, Chris. If I had a horse that was broken in, one of my young ones, broken in in New South Wales, educated in New South Wales, came to Queensland in July and I won the two-year-old Colts and Geldings Triad. I then won the $500,000 Photo Star. I then went on and won the Breeders Challenge, if he was Breeders Challenge eligible as well. And then won the Qbred 2 two-year-old classic in the, in the Summer Carnival. I wouldn't be eligible for a um, two-year-old of the year. And mm. I probably earned 700,000 or more? Yeah. yeah it's it's a, a fair point. It's a, it's a very bitter pill to take. You know, I was based in Queensland that made the decision. We can't do anything about it now, but it is a bitter pill to take.
2: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yearling sales are fast approaching. Starts this Sunday down at the Magic Moons Complex at the Gold Coast for APG. Sunshine stars next month, February 11. The Recklifts star, which you sponsor, in March. Uh, Racing Queensland put out an announcement earlier this week about the Cubret enhancements. This is, this is good news for those that are looking to buy.
0: Oh, Chris, this is fantastic. What other yearling take you go to and get a discount on your purchase? hmm you know, like, you're looking at, say you buy, you know, a $7,500 horse, um, you know, that's 25% discount. You know, a $10,000 horse is 22%. Um, you know, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's fantastic. It's one thing Racing Queensland has done, uh, a lot of things, is the QBred. And then now they have this fantastic incentive that every horse, every QBred you buy is $2,000 off. Well, you know, that pays for your breaking in fees, Melly. Yeah, it's a good point. It's just, it's it's amazing. It's just fantastic. And, you know, if that doesn't encourage people to buy, I don't know what will. Because as far as I'm aware, there's no sale in the world you can go to and get that sort of rebate. Mm. And and the Kybred system
2: is by far and away the best in Australia?
0: Oh, definitely, Chris. You've got a 14,000 first win bonus, seven and a half second win bonus. And then you've got your third one, which has some conditions, and it's still quite gettable. And you know, you're talking if you win your $14,000 bonus, the owner, that's basically paid half of your training fees for the year. Yeah,
3: well, and that's well it's not a Including gra-
0: the prize money.
2: Yeah, it's a great uh, initiative, there's no doubt about it. So the sale starts Sunday, you're going to be down at that sale. I'm tipping it's going to be fairly strong down there.
0: I hope so Chris, fingers crossed, because um, we do have six to sell.
2: All right. well we wish you the best of luck. Hey Darren appreciate the time this morning, we'll see a trackside today. Will April in Paris win again today for our listeners? Fingers crossed I hope so.
1: Mm. And Darren, just with the business at the moment, obviously, you know things are tight with interest rates and You know, the the rental crisis, all these other factors as well. How's the Garrard's business going in general at the moment? And, of course, you went through those floods, didn't you, uh, in Sydney and Brisbane some seasons ago?
0: Yeah, that's right. We lost a lot of money, but we kicked back, still kicking back. At this stage, um, we're still doing okay.
1: All right. Thanks, Darren. Thank you. Yeah, Darren Garrard joining us. Blacks are fake and Safari. They're level on the turn. Third quarter, 29. Blacks are fake, Safari the outside. They're eight metres clear of report for Judy. Good looking girl. Safari, Blacks are fake. They are locked together. It's a stirring, duel. Blacks are fake, Safari. Safari, Blacks are fake and Safari won it. What a win. Safari has beaten Blacks are fake. Third, good looking girl. Then report for Judy. Next in, uh, 2008 Vigilante. Ballarat Cup Safari. Chris, vague memories of that particular uh, standard. Brett, um, was that a major upset or not that night?
2: Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, that was Black Safaig at the peak of his powers there. He was already uh, established as the number one horse in the country and for most in Queensland. that That's a, a race that is forever going to be etched in their memories because Safari did the impossible, the unthinkable, Sitting outside of Blacks Are Fake, this is the richest earner of all time as far as Australian harness racing history, and Safari beat Blacks Are Fake at his own game. And, you know, there was a bit of discussion, robust discussion at the time, about the tactics adopted by Brian Gath. Of course, Safari was trained by Emma Stewart, Clayton Tonkin, and they took the race right up to Blacks Are Fake. He didn't take a backward step, and as Dan Malecki outlined there in that call, it was on a long way from home. so. Uh, that raise there uh, really, really sort of uh, set the, the 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 match alight as far as this clash between Blacks-A-Fake and, and the Victorians headed by Safari. He was a wonderful horse. I'm I'm hoping that we can track down Brian Gath because the Hunter Cup comes up next week. I want to get his thoughts on Leap to Fame because he's been able to beat Blacks-A-Fake there with that uh, memory there of the Ballarat Cup. I just want to see what he thinks about Leap to Fame. I want to get his thoughts on Just Believe, the two reigning inter-dominion champions, because they're they're winning more than they're losing at the moment. They're taking all before him. And there's just so many other stories that I want to touch on with Brian Gath. So hopefully he won't be too far away. He's got an unbelievable record as far as harness racing is concerned. He's an inductee in the Hall of Fame. He's a Gordon and medalist. Uh, he's competed in 13 Inter-Dominion finals. He's won uh, 14 Grand Circuit races, 11 century seasons, eight of those consecutive, three Metro titles in the Melbourne area and competing against the very best on offer. And, and that's another question I want to pose to him, Steve. He was up against the likes of Gordon Rothicker, Ted Demler, Vin Knight, Gavin Lang, Graham Lang, Andrew Peace, Chris Alford. I just want to find out more about Brian Gath and his time in harness racing. Unbelievable horseman. Yeah, let's find out. How are you, Brian? I'm fine, thank you.
4: Yeah. Very well, good.
1: What was it like? Just tell me a bit about Vin Knight because he, he just captured the imagination of so many people given his talent and just his character and his nature and he was very cocky at times. What was it like in those days with Vin? Yeah, well,
4: yeah. Vin, he was very unique. He was different, but he was terrific. He was... Um, he was a wonderful guy. He, um, he certainly, you know, he put trotting on the mat there for a long time. People just followed him like a rock star. But he was, he was a great person, he, but he was um, flamboyant, as everyone knows. But he had a, you know, a real good side to him. He, if he was a friend of Vinny, he was a friend for life. And know,
1: did anybody did know within the industry, I know it shocked us here at the radio station when we got word of his of his passing and when he took his life. I mean, did, did anybody at that time think that he was battling some demons there in the, you know, mentally, Vin Knight?
4: Well, he was under a lot of stress. He was. He was under a lot of... He was racing every day. Uh, they were... Uh, i think they were struggling a little bit financially and, and uh, under a lot of pressure to keep everything going and and uh yeah he he, he, he was under a lot of pressure I, I, um but uh it was about this time the day when we got word that it come over in the news that uh, he he'd, that he'd passed away and was Oh, I never forget that day, and it couldn't get over. It was just shocked everyone in trotting and uh, and people that knew him and friends and just followed him he um He was a great driver, a great trainer I spent a lot of spent most of my time talking to him when we were on planes going going to Sydney or going to Perth. We used to talk about training and things like that, and uh he he, he was great, great guy. I just miss him. still miss him
1: very much. Yeah, know. it certainly shocked all of us. Mm. Oh, sorry about that, Chris. Yeah. No,
4: you're right. Yeah.
2: Hey, Brian, just out of all of those drivers that I just mentioned there, Gordon Rotherger, Ted Demler, Vinnie, Gavin Lang, Andrew Peace, Graham Lang, Chris Alford, which one of those guys was was the hardest for you to compete against? Or is there someone else that I've missed on that list?
4: Well, you left out Neville Well, She's one of the greatest drivers we ever had. Back in Gordon Raffic era and that he, he I never seen him ever drive a bad race. He won premises and Hunter Cups and things. He was a very good driver. He's the only one you left off the list. But they were in Bill Shinn and, and and the ones from interstate, Kevin Newman and Kevin Robinson and Dick Webster and Kevin Brook. They were great drivers when I started out driving and that in Perth Hall in Sydney and and Bird Alley. Uh, great, great. That, that era, uh, I grew up watching the best, I reckon, and, and I drove against some of the best. And, you know, Gavin was probably our best technician and uh, Teddy was a bustling driver. He got him to the front. He was hard to beat. And uh, um, Chris Alford, well, he's just a marvel, you know. He just, you know, I, I love Chris. Cause Chris was probably my best friend in the game. So and, uh, he, he, him and Gavin... They were just sensational for year after year after year, you know?
2: Yeah. Hey, as I mentioned, you've won so many big races, uh, including two Hunter Cups, uh, and Armour back in 1976, Koala King 1981. The Hunter Cup comes up next week. This new Queensland sensation, the reigning Inter-Dominion champ, Leap to Fame. Can I get your thoughts on him firstly, Leap to Fame?
4: Yeah, well, he's the, the best one we've seen for a l- for a long, long time, he's right up there with the Pro of Valleys and the Pure Steels, and that. He, he's and he's such a beautiful racehorse. He he reminds me a lot of um, Luke's good horse, you know, Swing. What's his name? The great, King of Swing. Uh, King of Swing. Like he's just a relaxed going horse that don't seem to be a bottom to him, and he knows how to win, and he. He can, he can park out, do a lot of work and sprint and he, he's a perfect racehorse, they don't come any better, they just don't come better than him, you know.
3: Mm.
2: The Hunter Cup as we know now, mobile start 2700, but back in the day when it was a stand start two mile race, there, there was no better race on the Australian calendar than the Hunter Cup, would you agree with that?
4: Oh, definitely. The two mile race for the Hunter Cup was what everyone looked forward to. That really tested what how good the horses were. You know, they don't have enough two mile races for the top liners because it's you know that well it it uh, separates the, the boys from the men. You know, but, um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, no Hunter Cup was good. The first one I went on was True and Armour for Kevin Robertson. It was a big thrill. That was a standing start, and he was. He used to be a bad beginner, but anyway, he drew the outside of the showgrounds, and he had his head over the fence, and and the starter said straight straighten him up. I said, no, leave him here because there were two lovely ladies, and they were patting him, patting his face. <laughs> I said, keep patting him because he, he used to be real bad away. When the barrier went, they were still patting him, and I just turned him to the left, and away he went, and he led. It was the greatest shock that he led, he, he led him, and then because he held him off and won for Kevin Newman, and uh, Kevin
2: Roberson. it was a great thrill for me. Yeah. yeah. You've yeah. driven some of the all-time grades, Brian, uh, and I'll, I'll probably, you know, forget a few here, but I, I went through the, the record books. Mark Avina, Franco Ice, Franco Tiger, Sinbad Bay, Safari, Choken, Sassy Sarah, Shaker Maker, Koala King, Robin Hood. I could easily come up with another list, but who is the ah. best horse that B. Gath has sat behind?
4: Mark Vina was the fastest, no doubt. He he had blistering speed. He could he was last into the straight at Harold Park and, and flashed home and won the uh, I think Australian Pacing Championship. Beat you know Paul Rice, yeah. Koala Quala King, and all them. He was the, definitely the fastest, but Franco Ice was definitely the strongest. He was just uh, he was just uh, Vic Frost would know how good he is because he parked outside Westburn Grant. And, and beat him a couple of times. So, uh, how many horses could sit outside Westburn Grant and win? That's how strong he was. He yeah. was a
2: wonderful horse. So so you've been able to sit outside a horse like Westburn Grant, you've been able to sit outside a horse like Blacksafake with Safari, and we just replayed Safari when he won the Ballarat Cup. He won 28 races, 14 times you sat behind him. He was as strong as an ox, that horse, wasn't he?
4: Yeah, he didn't know uh, he had a great will to win. I word he did. He. Uh, yeah, he just, if you, if, every time I asked him, I felt him dig in for me, he, he was wonderful horse, and he was unsound, he was, all the time he was racing the Ballarat Cups and things, he had a, you know, they had to keep getting his hocks injected every couple of months because he didn't have much pain and that, he, he, he raced in pain, and he was still great, yeah.
2: Yeah, there's a story I want to ask. I want you to confirm or deny this. I've heard it a million times, but I want to hear it from the man himself. Just going back to Mark Avery, he won the 1978 Inter Dominion fastest horse you've sat behind. Was he involved in a uh, a car accident? Uh, a semi trailer wiped you out. I think you're either on the way to Adelaide or coming home from Adelaide. Uh, you you yeah. thought he was gone for all money. Uh, yeah. He started to make some noises. You got him out yeah. of the wreckage. You got on his back and rode him 10 miles to the nearest town to get help. Is that true?
4: That's dead that, right. What you just told me is exactly right. He, uh, it was well, coming home from Adelaide and uh, a good friend of mine was driving the car at about 6 o'clock in the morning and uh, coming around and being uh, a truck
0: uh,
4: sort of came across the wrong side of the road. The driver must have went to sleep. And, and we tried to get over and over into the grass. He kept coming, and he he just missed the car, and he hit the float and turned it over. And um, I had I had Philip Gass with me, and and David Gass with me. He, Neville's boys are only young then. And uh, when we got out of the car, the float was upside down, the wheels were still spinning, and the roof was all back in. I thought he thought he oh, we thought he'd be dead. And we, I looked through the roof, and he's looking up at me, winning to me. He was just. And he had a cut over his nose, and I'd, I forget how we got him out. We had to—we oh, got him out, and he, he didn't have that much wrong with him other than a cut on his nose. He—he he shook himself and go, you know, and I thought, God, we're a long way, a fair way out of town. I don't know what to do with him. Couldn't—the car was drivable, but the float wasn't. So, and I didn't know he'd been ridden, but I—I I jumped on his back and I had two leads on his bit, and I rode him to. Um, Canival, I think I wrote it, and I rang Dad. I said, "Dad, you won't believe what's happening." better get "You better come and get us." So we had to spend uh, the, however long it took, six or eight hours waiting, for you know, probably five or six hours for him to come and get us. You know, and six weeks later, I think when he won the Australian Pasting Championship. You know, he got through all that drama, and uh, and he come on to still be a champion. Yep.
2: What a remarkable story. So was that before or after he won the Inter Dominion? I think it
4: was before. Yeah. Wow. I think it was before. Yeah, I think it was before. Okay. No, he's a good little boy. Only a pony, but he had, he had muscles on his muscles. He was a beautiful horse and and lovely horse to get along with. He'd never bite or kick you. He was full of life, but he was a gentle horse at the same time.
2: Yeah. The other thing, so you got on his back and rode uh, him to the nearest town to get some help. and And that's another story. You were quite... Okay, and there was a chance that you could have ended up being a jockey because you're only very slight in size. No, I and did
4: ride for a little while. I did ride yeah, okay. for a little while. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But I, I didn't ride for very long. I started my apprenticeship when I was nearly too old. I was nearly getting towards was 19 and a half, and you, you can only be apprenticed till 21 those days. So I only rode for about a year, and, and, and Dad kept begging me to come home because he was getting on a little bit, and he wanted me to come home and... Uh, take over all the drive and Dad always had about 30 in work, he had some nice horses and uh, that, you know, and I, and I was just engaged to, to my wife Denise and he said if you come home you can take Crop McKelman to the Easter uh, Trotters Cup carnival up there so I said alright Dad I'll pack my bags and come home and I did and Denise and I took Crop McKelman to Harold Park and he won the, uh, the free for all, I think the first night then uh, East Trotters Cup the next night he was a great old horse, Quap McCallan. He, he he really got me going in the game, you know.
2: Mm. And, and when you were riding, then were you up against Harry Watt? Did you become quite friendly with Harry White?
4: Yeah, Harry and I were actually we were, we were apprentice next. We used to go to apprentice school together. He he stayed both next door to us. I was apprentice to Nicholasio at Flemington there, and um, yeah, he was. Um, yeah, Harry he, he was. He and I were the same age. Good. Great fella. great, oh, wonderful man, lovely, best rider I've ever seen. Oh, whatever I ride against, anyway, him and Higgins is the best for sure. Yeah, great
1: okay,
2: person. Harry. Well, you've been all around the world. You represented Australia in a World Drivers Championship. You've competed regularly over in North America, driving in the Meadowlands. You've won an in Inter Dominion. You've won a Miracle Mile. You're still competing now. So, what is left for Brian Gath?
4: Oh. <laughs> Just, just on the farm here with myself. I work with, I hardly drive for anyone anymore. Just mostly me own. Occasionally I drive for somebody. Just, just tag along. I'm in good health. I still work pretty hard. I was out on the track, on the tracks, and looked to be watching. I thought, oh, I've got to get back. I was harrowing the track up, and then I came in, and then um, th- then you were rigging me, and I was trying to turn the tractor. <laughs> so I could hear you. You know, I said, no, I'm just doing the same things. So I, I, I'm in good health. My wife's looks after to be good, I've got a good family great grandkids and it, so I'm very happy Chris.
2: Alright, excellent excellent, and I just wanted to mention three horses for you as well that you, you trained, Wally Walton, Harley Hanover, Oscar LeVon, they were very special horses for you weren't they?
4: They were, Wally Walton was just a lovely genuine horse won a lot of lovely races Oscar LeVon, he was we bred him, we got and friends and I owned him and he was a brilliant horse. We never seemed the best and he had bad legs but he still managed managed to win um, you know, a Sire's stake and a breeder's crown and a good few races and he, and he had real shaky legs and he was probably um really one of the better horses I ever trained. He had a heap of ability. Harley Hanover was very good We were struggling at the time when we got him. He was worn out old horse, but then he he'd had a long spell and then uh, Mr Tonks in Tasmania asked me to take him, and I did, and uh, we leased him. And uh, I remember when we were going through a bad time and struggling with the mortgage, and he he never stopped winning. He got us out of trouble, old Harley Hanover. He was a great horse. He won a lot of races, yeah.
2: Yeah, excellent. What a career in harness racing. I really appreciate it this morning, and uh, best of health uh, moving forward, Brian. I really appreciate the time today.
4: Well, thanks for calling me. Thanks, Chris. You know, take care.
1: Will nice do. fellow, isn't
2: he? Oh, just a, an absolute star. And you go through it, uh, as I said, with all those horses, you can come up with another list, Steve. There's plenty of other good ones that he sat behind. So, as I said, his record speaks for itself. First win, officially, 1960 at the showgrounds there in in, uh, in Melbourne and uh, competed against the best and went everywhere too, like regularly competing in North America and there's not too many big races that he hasn't won, in particular, in Victoria. So, great horseman.
1: Well, there's no feature races as such, anyway, Chris. From what I can see at uh, Gloucester Park on Australia Day evening, but Maddie Young, I'm sure we'll find a few winners for us. And he joins us, Maddie. Good morning. Good morning to you, boys. Knights of Thunder final night tomorrow night.
2: It's going to be uh, going to be very keen and willing that race. It always is.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the barrier draws made things interesting. Shell patching gate one. Horses got. Uh, I guess OK Gate Speed just hasn't really had a draw like this to be able to uh, use, uh, I guess, his speed. So he goes into this race with a little bit of an unknown on Gate Speed in WA, but, uh, yeah, just creates a lot of interest. We've got, rumour Hazard's absolutely flying. Jaws of Lincoln was outstanding last week in defeat, and, uh, yeah, it's it's just a really good competitive race.
2: Okay, Where do we find your best bet tomorrow night?
3: Uh, We'll go race number two, Soho Santorini looks really hard to beat I thought uh, I thought he could push forward to be enough speed outside of him and pressure that could push him to the top and if he leads I think he'll be winning so race two number two, Soho Santorini Okay, Kim Prettis, he's got his team going well at the moment. He does and he become one of only a few trainers, trainer drivers to pick up 1,000 wins recently um, he's driven 1,000 wins and, and he retired after that from the Sulky I bought Sweet Vivian August last year, and uh, this year he was able to uh, bring up his thousandth win as a trainer at Pinjarra just a few weeks ago. So uh, I think he's along with Trevor Warwick, Fred Kersley, and uh, not sure, uh, Mike, yeah, not sure the other person that was able to do it, but he's in a late category anyway.
1: Matt, just in regards to your Nullarbor during the Western Trilogy, I see it's on the 19th of April. Uh, what about some of the big names? Are they all going to step out in the next in the coming weeks? as they prepare for that big race on the 19th of April?
3: Well, you'd imagine that we'd be starting to see some of the really good ones start to make their way back and probably in the next month or so, um, either by the trials or also um, straight to the racetrack. We saw Penny Tiger's got to be one that's got to be considered as a chance if he can step up as well as we think he can. Um, he won a trial yesterday at Pinjarra and he closed off in 26 seconds. So uh, he's he's come back well. And, yeah, Magnificent Storm, I would imagine, wouldn't be too far away. Uh, I'd probably look to see him return in the next month or so. Um, I don't think he'd need too many race runs to bring him up to his top going into the Nullarbor. So... Still a little bit of time there. Leverage Joe will be back uh, racing very soon as well. And, yeah, and uh, we'll see the uh, Team Bond contingent and also the Team Hall contingent, Justin Prince, will be bringing back some of his main ones. Wonderful to fly as well as uh, never-ending. So, yeah, there's going to be an influx of good horses start uh, popping up
1: in the next six to eight weeks, I'd say. Yeah, Minstrel, I suppose. Would he be in the mix? Or...
3: Yeah, absolutely. He's, uh, what he's been doing at this stage has been really good. I've always been a little bit of, a suspect about Minstrel because he just hops and skips a little bit and he's sort of a horse that um, he really needs to be on speed to be dominant and be able to win a race in my opinion so um, whether Team Bond go with him or they look at a horse like Ideal Agent who was so impressive last week and winning from the breeze first up and I know they've got a big opinion of him or whether they look for just a horse that's probably a more all-rounder still the show as well so yeah, they've have got a few to choose from, and uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting. Of course, it's the most fascinating thing about these slot races is who the uh, slot holders are going to choose. Mm. Well, we look
2: forward to it. The countdown is well and truly on, Matty. As always, appreciate the time. We'll talk again next week. Cheers, guys.